So today we've got the start of a new series um, on Philippians and this is just going to take us through to the summer and we're going to camp on this book. So I want to encourage you to kind of find Philippians out, get it up on your phones. Uh, if, you use, if you're old school like me and use Bible, then um, get it highlighted and, uh, and have a little look. We're going to be focusing our Sundays on Philippians by a couple and then our journey groups can use the study by Joe Saxton. So this is where I have a plug for Right Now Media. So if you haven't got, right, anybody hasn't got Right Now Media, put your hands up. Oh. So if you go to Play Store or App Store, we all know that Wi-Fi is not that great here. So you can take a photo with your phone. This is what it looks like. Um, so if we go to the next slide, I think. So this is what we're going to look at um, in the journey groups. We've got the Book of Philippians. Um, uh, if you're not in a journey group, then you can have a little look at this study. Um, if you go to the next one, uh, Jack. There's all the kind of, this is what it comes up with in Right Now Media, and you can literally click on it, and can you see? 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 7 minutes, 5 minutes, 6 minutes, 9 minutes, 9 minutes, 9 minutes, 8 minutes. That's not too bad, is it? No. See? Everything is all kind of like, they always say, if you get it under sort of 12 minutes, people are likely to invest a bit of time. Anything like, you know, have you ever been sent videos where it's like 40 minutes, you're like, that? no chance. I ain't watching that. So, okay, so it's an achievable goal. Okay, so right now, Video is an extensive digital mega library that's a bit like Netflix for Christians. So as a leadership, we've paid for an annual um, membership for you, and the resource is a comprehensive collection, and it's for all ages. So those of you that are parents that are wanting stuff, material for your children, you can use Right Now Media. There's a whole load of stuff, and you can create a say, um, like a you know, like a, a list, like having Netflix, where you can watch stuff, and you can kind of you can have your own list. Um, so if you're not signed up, you can use it on all your devices and you can Chromecast it onto your TV. So if, you have, if you're not signed up and you're going, hand it on, not know this, um, then you need to send an email through to the church at junction10.com and we'll send you a link. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so enjoy right now media, okay? So Philippine studies on there and there's a whole load of other stuff. Uh, just, yeah, have a good look and enjoy it. And let us know whether you are enjoying it. That would be really helpful. So, as we start this series, it's helpful to have a brief understanding of the person writing the letter. Um, did you know, well, it's, it is classed as a letter. Anybody know how many books are in the Bible? 66, well done. And uh, Philippines, is it in the New or the Old? New Testament, how many books in the Old Testament? I'm drilling down now, aren't I? Huh? What was that? 39, 39 in the Old Testament. How many in the New? 
27, well done, thank you for the maths teacher over there. That was very quick, Mike. So um, uh, I learned a song about it when I was younger, so that's how I remember it. Six, six books in the, in the book, in the Bible. Uh, 39 in the Old, 27 in the New. So this is one of the books in the New Testament, and it is actually classed as a letter. And it was um, written by Paul. Paul originally was Saul, and he was from Tarsus, and he was actually a persecutor of Christians. And then on the Damascus Road, he saw a vision of Jesus, and in that instant, his life was changed. His name changed from Paul, from Saul to Paul, and uh, he became the most ardent missionary of the gospel. And Paul went through a radical turnaround, and from that day, his life and his thoughts were just animated by the unconquerable love for Jesus. He introduced Jews, Gentiles, men and women to God's love. And the Philippian Fellowship, or church, was the first church that Paul planted in Europe. And one of his first converts was Lydia. And Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman. There are 104 verses in Philippians, and 51 of them, Jesus' name is mentioned. So Philippians is classed as one of Paul's prison letters. Um, and though he was imprisoned, it's kind of debated as to where that actually was. But he ministered in Philippi during his second missionary journey. And uh, he was there for about three months. Philippi is located in northeastern Greece, in Macedonia. And it's, it was established as a military stronghold to protect the land of Philip II. And it was um, whose father, Philip's father, was Alexander the Great. Philippi was part of a trade route that went from Europe to Asia. And it had a rich history with strategic importance. It was famous for, for its abundant gold mines and water springs. And Philippi was a developed city. It had an agora. Does anyone know what an agora is? I had to look it up. No, you're obviously like me. It's a marketplace. I was like, anyway, so it's a marketplace, a gymnasium. Now, it's difficult because I know for some of you youngsters, you're thinking, well, yeah, obviously it would have a gym. <laughs> but in, back in those days, it was actually quite, quite, quite a thing. Um, so a gymnasium, it had baths. So um, uh, has anyone been to Bath? in this country, yeah, so so if you, it would be those kind of baths that it would be go and have communal bathing. Now, in our society, we'd be like, mm. but when you're living in a ditch or, you know, not great sanitation, then the baths was really quite something. Okay, a library, and it had a famous school of medicine where potentially Luke, you know, St Luke, the apostle who wrote the book, um, that he could have studied medicine in there. Not sure, but possibly. So there were both Romans and Greeks in the city, but predominantly they spoke Greek, although the official language was Latin. And the church in Philippi was an established fellowship, and they were strong supporters of Paul's work. And the fellowship was predominantly Gentiles, but women played an essential part. So the letter of Paul to the Philippians starts with thanksgiving and prayer. 
And rejoicing occurs more than 16 times in this short book. And chapter two contain, uh, contains what's thought to be one of the first of the early church's hymns. The letter starts with a greeting, greets the fellowship at Philippi to the leadership and states a blessing over them. He starts with thanksgiving and prayer, and that is a great example to us. It is actually a discipline. You know, all of us can slip into a critical place and it's really easy to tear down. You only have to see stuff on the news, but it's much more difficult to build up. We need to build one another up. And when spending time with others, I wonder how do they feel at the end of the encounter? May our challenge today be to build, to offer thanks and to bring hope into people's lives with every encounter that we have. Paul acknowledges how much he values the Church of Philippi as a community and he'll know them personally. And in prison, there's time to ponder, muse, consider, time to reflect. When you find yourself in a place of solitude, um, there is a real clarity around what your values are. And Paul was recognising the value of the people in Philippi, and his word of encouragement for them comes in verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a great encouragement that is. We all need to hear that over and over again, don't we? He then goes on to explain in verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be sure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. He knows that they are capable of demonstrating love to others because he's experienced it, but he's praying that it's going to increase and also that they'll be filled with that righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, meaning that their character will develop and that they will demonstrate the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, gentleness, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, which is what Paul had talked about in his earlier letter in Galatians. He also acknowledges that those that are not demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit, but he's gracious in acknowledging that whether their presence their pretense or in truth that Christ is proclaimed. So he's talking about the fact that don't get worked up if they seem to have the wrong motive. They're still talking about Jesus. And sometimes we can get worked up about that, but his grace was there for that. So he also, um, Paul is reminding them that he's actively praying for them, not because they've asked for it, but because it's right to pray for those we love pray for those in responsibility, for those in holding responsibility and in leadership. Paul understands the principle of thanksgiving to keep your heart supple. Guard against cynicism. You know, we know that it says in the Bible 
that there is nothing new under the sun. And, and in this, the world, in the world, things go round in cycles. It does in my profession, in nursing, it all goes round in cycles. I've got stuff in my wardrobe that I'm waiting for it to come back round <laughs> in cycle. <laughs> because it will. <laughs> Some of you saying, well, we're still wearing it, but anyway, there we go. So <laughs> we know that that happens, but we need to make sure that we don't allow cynicism to come into our heart. How do you keep your heart, heart supple? By giving thanks and acknowledging Jesus as Lord. As a leader, Paul understands the importance of their development, but also because of what he used to do and how much he's been transformed. Remember, he was a persecutor of Christians, and he is clear to acknowledge that all the glory goes to God. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to idols. Paul is writing this letter from prison. As a leader, an older brother, father figure, he reminds them that despite how it appears within being in prison, that the gospel is actually advancing. He's speaking hope and he's encouraging boldness where it'd be so easy for fear to take hold. We're living in a time where we could and do at times feel overwhelmed by fear. And the name of Jesus is powerful and causes a reaction. Individually and corporately, we're being called to be bold and brave. Boldness in Jesus, confident in Jesus and what he has done in our lives. Boldness for us as a community, just like verse 14 says, much more bold to speak the word without fear. No one can take away our testimony. Paul's testimony, you only have to write in Apostle Paul and his is all over the Google. And we need to share our individual and our corporate stories or testimonies. Not just the moment that we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, but our journey, the provisions, healings, rescues, miracles. Corporately and individually, we need to give thanks to God for how he's kept us for the past, did you realise this June it is 45 years? It's amazing, isn't it? We've been going for 45 years. You know, you kind of you look back over the history and you think, wow. And we're still growing and we're still seeing transformation. We need to give thanks for the doors that Jesus has opened and the way that he's put us in places of influence. It is not by accident. It's through prayer and we need to give him thanks. Now I understand that there are many of you that are working so hard in incredibly demanding jobs. But are you aware 
that it is part of God's plan. As individuals, you are there because Jesus has put you there for his purpose, to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. Acknowledge God in those places, in those positions of influence. Irrelevant of how you feel, give him thanks for your position. Even though at times you don't feel like giving thanks, give him thanks for the position that you're in. Stay close to Jesus. You are advancing the gospel. Whatever season you of life you're in, Jesus will be taking you to so many different spaces to meet so many different people. And in actual fact, perhaps these people will only ever meet Jesus through you. And so you need to be sharing your answers to prayer, your times of rejoicing. Rejoice. You may not realise it, but in actual fact, so many of you are actually employed by the King of Kings. It's just that somebody else is paying your wages. Society has become really quite self-absorbed and pleasure-seeking. And when we look at social media feeds and feedback to one another, psychologists' research, we have a culture that seems to be developing more traits of entitlement, lack of empathy, envy of others, arrogant, haughty behaviour and attitudes. And we only have to look to the pandemic to see how much people value godly characteristics, the kindness and generosity of others. For example, the one show. Has anyone watched the one show? You're just not admitting it. Okay, the one show started in the pandemic doing once a week on a Thursday, quick thank you. And they take somebody that is out of the community that's doing something and they do a massive thank you. It was so successful um, that they're still carrying on doing it now. And I actually think, you know, certain bits of television that you think that is really good. It's really good to thank um, others. And remember, it's not just, an, it's not enough to just do good. We need to explain why we do good and who motivates us. Because otherwise, it's just like we want to look good and we just, want, we just want a bit of kind of self-gratification. We need to remember that the reality is, is that all of us have fallen short and that Jesus has caused transformation in our lives just like he caused transformation in Paul's life. We need to be clear with people and be bold and unashamed of how Jesus has transformed us. And if you've been raised with godly behaviours, then you don't have to look far to see how you could behave, but you continue to choose to be like Jesus. 
It says in uh, verse uh, 20, but with the courage now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then in verse 23, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. But to remain in flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all. Paul is explaining that life is tough. He's writing from prison. It, and it won't be like the prisons of today. The circumstances will be awful and there will be times where he would actually genuinely prefer to die and go to heaven. Because that just talks of how difficult stuff is. And often we don't talk about how difficult life can be. But Paul states the importance that if God gives him life, he must continue and labour on. Sometimes when we're under the, we're just finding the weight of stuff really difficult, God will give us the ability to continue. And there's a health warning in Philippians 1 verse 29 that says, For the sake of Christ, you should only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It's not very flavourable. It's a bit like in your marriage vows where it says in sickness and in health, and you kind of want health, and you don't really want sickness. It's a bit like for richer or poorer. You'd really prefer richer, but sometimes it's poorer, and this is what it says. And it, but it also says, don't forget that John wrote the words of Jesus in, in 16, John 16. I've told you these things. This is what Jesus said. So that in me you will have peace, because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. We will have trials, difficulties and trouble. And it will be at times because we are followers of Jesus. So the trouble you face, the Lord will come and help you. Because Jesus did overcome the world. He's our shepherd, our rescuer, our provider, our healer and our king. And in our world... We've also managed to develop scientific ability, haven't we? And we make predictions. This can be really helpful. Uh, my brand building's got to go out tomorrow, so it's really helpful because the weather's wonderful. So um, the weather people have already said that, so it means I know I can mow my lawn. That's really helpful. So the treatment of some health conditions, it's really informative and it can focus treatment and a pathway of care. And as a church, we believe in the healing power of Jesus and we know that he uses a combination of the Holy Spirit power, but also healthcare professionals in healing. But God. But God. Sometimes we can depend so much on that scientific stuff that we forget about God. What happens is we base our thinking on that scientific predi prediction and we can disregard 
God's intervention in our circumstances. And whilst those predictions are helpful, they are not necessarily correct. 5,000 people, two fishes, five loaves. But Jesus gave thanks and fed the people. Water. But Jesus gave an instruction and the water became wine. Fishing all night, nothing in the nets. Put them on the other side of the boat and so many fish that the nets couldn't hold them. And I know that you, the same as me, have experienced miracles in your life or in those of people that you love. But God, people ask me, what's happening at Junction 10? I get the head tilt and the, uh, <coughs> Kev's nodding, he gets the same. Uh, and then I, they ask, I get asked, and what about the building? Are you going to build it? And um, that's a lot of money. The fact is, God gave us, and those over these 45 years, promises. From the times of our founding pastor, John, led us right the way through to today. And he's been repeating those promises to us. And he will complete the work that he has begun. And he will bless the people of Warsaw. And it was the Lord who led us to Darleston. And so therefore we wanted to bless the community of Darleston as well as Armour. And he is true to his word and we are called to give him thanks and to trust him at his word and pray. So when people implicate natural predictions, I choose to remind them of God's supernatural promises. Remember, that is the same in your life. There are some natural predictions that you are dealing with. But God. Verse 15 says, uh, verse 27 says, let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightening anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation. Do not fear. Stand firm in Jesus. Corporately and individually, we are being called to be brave and to be bold. But that is not on your own. That is with the backing of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 32. God put honey in the rock. Exodus 17, he brought water from a stone. Exodus 16, manna fell to the ground. 1 Kings 18, the Lord sent rain. 
There is purpose in his plan. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And each of these statements are based on God's promise and his provision. And he continues to provide for us, his people. Keep following Jesus. Keep displaying the fruits of the Spirit and giving him the glory for all that you do. Let's lead our lives with prayer and thanksgiving and live boldly for Jesus. And remember that in every circumstance, no matter what the prediction, but God, dot, 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 because he is overcoming the world and has already overcome it. Thanks.